Time for us to go ahead and get started tonight if we can, please. We are so happy that all of you are here tonight. And uh, there's maybe a little hint of fall in the air, but it's coming. <clears throat> but isn't it wonderful to be able to assemble like we are tonight to worship God? We're glad that you're here. We're honored to have some who are visiting with us, and we always are thankful for that. And uh, we want to invite you to our worship service this coming Lord's Day at 930 uh, our Bible classes uh, for all ages will be at 5 o'clock. I <clears throat> uh, hope you got a bulletin as you came in tonight. If you did not, please get one. Uh, there's updates on the sick. I do want to mention Mike Johnson, who had extensive surgery on Monday, but he came home last night. So uh, continue to pray for him and his recovery. I do have some things to say about the Halloween Youth Devotional Friday night, uh, the Halloween party. Uh, they need you young folks to sign the list in the foyer if you plan on coming. They've got to get a count. We're asking the boys to bring drinks and the girls to bring desserts. Uh, also, there is an EYC and a CYC meeting in the little chapel after services tonight, I assume. So please uh, remember that meeting after services. Now, this coming Sunday night after our Bible classes, we're looking forward to our trunk or treat. I uh, hope that uh, you'll plan to participate in that. We'll meet in the annex following our evening services. There'll be costume contest and, of course, then a visit to all the trunks. It says chicken strips are going to be provided, and each family is asked to bring side dishes, chips and dips and desserts, and there are sign-up sheets in the foyer for trunks. So uh, please do that, or if you want to see Guy or Amelia, if you've got some questions, please do that. Now, we have a wonderful opportunity. We, I love our military. I know you love our military as well. Uh, we have some of our own who are serving, in particular, uh, Jonathan Timms. And uh, we have an adopt-a-soldier program that's going to take place for 20 soldiers. We have an opportunity to provide a little holiday cheer uh, to 20 members of the 128th Military Police Company. That's John Timms' group that will not be home for the holidays. Uh, they're stationed in Kosovo. We're going to be shipping boxes. Postage will be provided. We're asking families, classes, and groups to adopt one soldier and fill their box with their favorite small items. Uh, a Bible and a couple of tracts are going to be placed in each box. And uh, there'll be some more information about that, or you can see Nicole or Jimmy if you want to help with that. Also, we want to congratulate uh, Melody Woodruff on the birth of a new granddaughter, Mary Monroe Nichols, born to Tim and Lacey on October the 23rd in Tupelo. 
six ounces, 19 and a quarter inches long. Welcomed home by big sister uh, Ruby Kate and big brother Bowen. So congratulations to them. Also, Pine Bell Children's Homes cookbooks are available. Uh, we'd like to sell all of our allotment back there. Uh, from what I understand, we have 50 to sell. They're $15 each. So please uh, get one of those tonight, if at all possible. I do want to remind uh, everyone of our food pantry item for this week. If you could bring that, that would be dried beans. This coming Sunday is our uh, debt uh, retirement Sunday. The fifth Sunday contribution will be going toward uh, debt retirement. So please remember that. Also, uh, we're going to be having a singing here in the auditorium next Wednesday night. So all adult classes are going to be me meeting here for that. And uh, if you have a song that you want to uh, have sung or selection, uh, please see Jeremy Jones about that. Text him or email him with that, and they'll take care of that. So let's be looking forward to that next Wednesday night. I believe that's all the announcements that I have uh, for our devotional tonight. Uh, Brother Ken Forrest is leading our singing. Uh, Jordan Coates is going to be delivering our devotional thoughts, and Todd English will be leading us in prayer. Please go ahead and mark 927. Why keep Jesus waiting? 927. We'll sing that after our presentation. And after you mark it, turn to 590. Jesus is all the world to me. 590. story tonight. Uh, many of you know that I got a newer house earlier this year. We got, I had a lot of people kind of pitch in and help me, but Rosendo was one of the main ones that he kind of got in there and did most of it. So, but uh, we put a lot of thought and a lot of work and effort into it. Got the whole thing redone uh, and it was great. I liked it. I've been there since about March. There's been this one thing that I did not like it, but it was, I just kind of kept being like, eh. I really like my TV to be above my fireplace. And before a lot of you designer people come at me, I, I know it's like, fireplace not supposed to go above a TV. Um, or, you know, what, TV above fireplace. <laughs> this is very off the cuff. Um, so, 
but that's where I want it. It's perfect viewing angle everywhere in the living room. You can see the TV right there. It's, it's, it's where it belongs in my house. So, but this mantle that was there was fixed to the wall. It was about this much space between the top of it and the ceiling, so not enough room for a large TV. Um, so I was like, hmm, I wonder if I can just take that off and put a new mantle up there and get my TV up there. So one day I was like, here I go, I'm taking it off. And then I realized that this thing was custom built to go very, very fitted to where this brick is that goes with this fireplace. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to build a new mantle to go up here. And this is a very bold statement for someone whose biggest building project is a PVC pipe puppet stage. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I can do it. I can do it. So anyways, I get all, I get the wood, I get all the dimensions, I draw it all out, I'm like, I, I'm going to do this, and I start putting it all together, and it's, you know, it's coming together, I've basically got it done, it's not up there yet, but I got it done enough to set it up so I can look at it and see how it looks. And man, is that thing imperfect. And the thing is, is there's gaps here, there's some warped spots here, the stain's uneven in a lot of places, and... But I'm still, I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm still proud of it, because, like, I made that. Um, and I know it's got a lot of imperfections, but the thing is, is, like, I know what those are. Uh, I know every imperfection it has. I know every um, weakness that it has. I know what its strengths are. If something happens, you know, and it, something goes awry with it, who better to know how to fix that? than the person who made it. If something, if it breaks, who knows better how to repair it than its builder? So you may know where I'm going with this now. Colossians 1 verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. In Psalm 139 verse 14, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves us despite our imperfections because he knows those imperfections. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. Because of this, we should trust our creator. We should trust our builder. He's the one that knows how to, to <clears throat> excuse me, take advantage of our strengths. He knows how to strengthen our weaknesses. And if we break, he knows how to fix us. No one's more of a perfectionist than I am. Um, but I'm, I'm slowly learning to start to find more beauty in imperfections because for every imperfection I have, uh, every area which I lack confidence, every time I feel insecure, or every time I start to view myself as less than, I know those are the perfect times to look to my builder, to my creator, and to trust and know that he's going to support and guide me through those times. Are you struggling to give your insecurities and weaknesses to your creator? If there's anything we can do for you, we invite you to stand and sing with us.
Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings of it. Lord, we humbly come before you today thanking you for sending your Son to die on the cruel cross of Calvary that we may have a home in heaven with thee. Lord, I ask that you be with the ministers here, be with the elders and the deacons, and give them the wisdom required to, to shepherd the flock, Lord. Lord, I ask that you be with the Bible class teachers and be with all of those, Lord, that stand in the gap. Because, Lord, we know our whole goal is at the end of our life for you to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lord, I ask that you watch over us, guide us, and direct us. Forgive us for many sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll sing the first verse of 230 while our teachers leave and go to their classes. 230. Where the oppressors Christ the Redeemer for everyone coming out tonight. We'll begin with our sick and our prayer request. Any updates to any of those uh, that anyone knows of? Brother Cameron, my cousin, that we've been praying for all she, she passed away. Paula Nichols. Paula Nichols Sister Paula Nichols and the family passed away of a loved one of Brother Ricks. Holly Shook, uh, I mean, Holly Hughes now, uh, Brad Hughes' wife, she has uh, brain cancer, and she's having, they had to put her uh, in a coma because she was having seizures. So, uh, I, you know, I don't think she's going to be with us much longer. 
uh, Holly Hughes um, diagnosis of cancer and in a coma at the time and it's not looking well so prayers for that family as well anyone else all right we'll go ahead and go to the father in prayer now let's pray dear heavenly father we thank you lord for this day so thankful for the opportunity and the safety we've been given thus far so thankful to be gathered here with your people so thankful that we have the word that we can read and study and, and use to direct our paths. Lord, we pray at this time for the many number of sick and afflicted and the ones who are undergoing cancer treatments and cares. Lord, we pray for the Paula Nixon family. We pray for comfort to them in this time. Lord, also the Holly Hughes family. We pray for a, a good outcome of that, Lord, if it be thy will. We pray for the strength of care of the ones that are attending to them. Lord, we ask you to continue to be with all the efforts that we're working forward to your glory, Lord. We pray for the many missionary um, efforts going on in the region. Lord, we, we pray for the unrest and the times of war that's going on. Lord, we pray for those countries and pray for the people that, that we have there and Christians there. And Lord, we pray for safety and a return of peace and unity. Lord, we ask you to be with this country. Lord, we pray to be with the leaders and Lord, we pray that they will always seek to put you first and pray, Lord, that we'll remain a Christian nation. Pray that we'll always give glory to thee. Lord, we ask thee to be with us through this study. We we'll pray to bless it. Pray, Lord, that we can open thy words and, and learn from it. Lord, we ask thee to forgive us of our shortcomings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> As we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, so we begin here, uh, closing out the the book, uh, the first four scriptures, um, as we look to <clears throat> at it on verses 1 through 4, the scripture says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you have accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. You know, as we look at it and we look at this passage, you know, there's a few things that we learn. But why is it do you think he made mention that he directed Galatia to do this as well? You know, sometimes when you're being commanded to do these things in the workplace and you're asked, sometimes it's better to hear that other people are being asked this as well. They're not being singled out. So as he's going, he makes mention, you know, brothers in this place, you know, is doing this as well. You know, as, as we look um, and think about giving and the work and stuff we have, you know, it continues on today. You know, the efforts of us living in a physical world, you know, it takes monetary gains for the word to go out. We think about purchasing Bibles, literature, I know even places that we support, you know, things such as even transportation, motorcycles, you know, some of those villages aren't even passable to certain things. So we look at these, these things that our money can do. It's taking the word to people that have not received it. You know, as we look at that's the priority that we look to do. Verses 5 through 8, he tells them, he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. For I intended to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. So if we look and think here and look at Pentecost, what exactly was Pentecost or the meaning of it? You know, as we look at the numerical part of it, you know, meaning 50, 50 days after the Passover feast, you know, the first fruits of the harvest was associated with that. You know, as we look at it, you know, until I studied this chapter deeper, I always wondered, if you'll turn with me to Acts 20, verses 7, as we look at the passage there. Acts 20, verses 7, it says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day. 
and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Verses 15 and 16 says, And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched Samos, and the day after we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jer Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Why do you think it was Paul was hastening to be at Pentecost there? Pentecost certainly had significance that that was the day the church was established. Absolutely. The day the church was established, as we looked and, you know, changing over to the new law, you know, I, I had always wondered when I read this why he was looking to keep that old feast day. And I even personally wondered if, if he was maybe hanging on to parts of that old law, you know, and thinking about that. You know, as I looked and, and studied on it, as we look back, here in verse in 16 and verse 9, the scripture says, For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. We think about Pentecost. Who all was there on that day? Nearly all the Jews. Would have been a lot hanging on to Judaism there as well, wouldn't there? You think about the scripture says, Open to me many doors. There was a massive opportunity for Paul to be there. He had the ability to to spread the gospel, to preach Christ as crucified. So as we look in this day and time, as we look at that, you know, I feel like it was a, you know, as the scripture says as well, it was a massive opportunity. It was a big gathering of people, and he was looking to take advantage of it. But as well, the day had great significance, you know, as the day of, you know, it had, you know, the church was started. But I thought it was, you know, as we, we looked at and come back to that scripture, you know, I thought it was significant of that. Anyone have anything to add on that point? All right, verse 9, of course it says, For a wide door of effective work has opened to me, for there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him, helping him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit with you and other brothers, but it was not at all willing to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. You know, as we think about today as Christians, you know, what is something that, as he commands them, what are things that we must be mindful of today? You know, we think as Christians we're fighting a good fight of faith. We have our own salvation to work out. You know, we have the responsibility to stay strong and true in doctrine. You know, we have our own pers pers personal responsibilities to study. You know, Scripture tells us always be ready to answer, you know, the person asked for the reason of meekness and fear of our faith. You know, we think about these things to be watchful. He was telling them as, in the same sense. You know, be watchful for the wiles of the devil. You know, today as, as then, you know, there's, there's always trickery of the devil going on and things that we must avoid. You know, we look for places and other things of that to be as well. But also in that, he states, for them to act like men. You know, we think about the statement of that. You know, to act like a man is the role or responsibility. You know, what does that mean to some of y'all? Responsible. They'll have responsibilities. Think about maybe leading. You know, protect many aspects of that. You know, for him to make reference of that. You know, the church, you know, it was in its, you know, infant state there. Um, needed pr protection as well. You know, Christians of that day, they had much more dangers than we have today. Wouldn't you agree? You know, as we think about, about that as well. Verse 14, he says, let all that you do be done in love. You know, we just talked about a couple chapters ago, talking about love. Love still remained. Love's the greatest of these. You know, we think if everything we do is given in love, there wouldn't be any issue of it. Whether that's telling someone the truth, if that's doing something as a goodwill to others, or even helping others. 
Our motive must always remain pure, the point that he's making here. As we look and skip down to verses 20 through 24. He, sa he says, you know, as a greeting of that, the churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. Paul, I write this greeting with mine own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you. In all Christ Jesus, amen. So as we look here, you know, he presents himself as being the author. You know, as always, he sends greetings. You know, and we think about culture of that time, you know, greeting one another with a holy kiss. You know, we may not kiss each other, but today, how do we show love for the brethren or how do we do? Think about shaking each other's hands, you know, giving a hug, a kind gesture. You know, the camaraderie of the brother, brotherhood. Of loving each other. You know, in the statement he says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. You know, the statement of our Lord comes. He comes quickly. You know, and, and also added of the grace to be with them. As we look at 1 Corinthians, the close of it, <clears throat> let's look at a few things to recap the chapter in its entire, the book in its entirety. As we think and look at this, we remember who was the author of this letter. Paul. Paul, and here at the end, he declares that with his own hand. As we look here and we think about the time frame, does anyone remember about the, the year time frame of the letter? We look at around somewhere around roughly 55 AD. So we look at that roughly, you know, 20 or so years after his conversion. Other. Now, who originally brought the gospel to these people here at Corinth? Paul, Acts 18 tells us that, you know, as we look at that, um, you know, he was on his second missionary journey, you know, around 50 AD, you know, when he went at that time, roughly. And how long, as we looked at that, about roughly how long did Paul remain with these people at that time? For somewhere around 18 months, you know, we talked about, you think about being with someone, or if you was to go to another land, or or go visit somebody. If you spend 18 months with somebody, you, you become pretty close. You know, so he knew these people well. You know, he'd got to know many of them on a personal level. So he was very well acquainted with these people. Uh, as we dove into the first few chapters of it, what were some of the issues that Paul initially dealt with with these people in this letter? Disunity. Disunity. Division was some of the first ones. Fornication, sexual immorality. Offering of food to idols and the whole issue of that, of judgment calls, of, of whether doing that causing brethren to fa fall and others. Um, the law. Taking a brother to court when you know should be able to, as Christians, work that out or other things. Many issues of that. Stunning of the spiritual growth. Jealousy over spiritual gifts. You know, and that led on to a whole, whole issue of that as he broke them down and, and brought up the points of, you know, what would, what would remain. As we talked about the spiritual gifts, you know, after those spiritual gifts was leaving, he instructed them that three things that they would have. Remember what they were? Faith, hope, and love. And of which, the, which of those was the greatest? Love. Why is, why is love greater than the other two? It'd continue on. You know, when faith becomes sight, we would no longer have need of it. We'd no longer have hope of it. But love will always remain. Love will continue on. Um, How they observe the Lord's Supper. Absolutely. You know, the institution of the Lord's Supper, they were, what were they doing with the Lord's Supper in those days? trying to do it as a common meal, you know, and he told them, you know, instructed to them, you know, you have houses to eat in. He broke it to them not to, of that, and broke down the significance of it. The misuse and mishandling was even causing some of them to be sick, 
at that time. That's right. Chapter 12 has said, you know, pretty much the entire chapter is of, of the body of the church, um, of it. Anything else? And then after that point, he started to bring up and talked about the resurrection and the importance of it. You know, what, why for Christians is the res resurrection so important and so vital to our faith? It all stands on the resurrection, the blood, Christ. You know, they made the point of it. You know, they talked there, if Christ was not raised, then this. You know, why would I even risk my life? You know, he brought up the things and talked of what he had suffered. You know, that sacrifice come through of what we would not be able to. You know, that perfect sacrifice, you know, it even went back. The old law of, of all that, the scripture says, the it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins of the world. So the resurrection, you know, it's as much importance of it. We also learned to look to things that all things should be done decently and in what? Order. All things, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that goes as well as everything of life, of our homes, of ourselves, of all these. All things be done decently and in order. We also got to the point, we talked about the spiritual realm and what could not inherit the kingdom of God. And what was that? Physically wise. You know, flesh and blood couldn't enter in the kingdom of heaven. A change had to be made. You know, and that change would be in the twinkling of an eye. You know, as we think about that, you know, it's pretty amazing we think of that day to come that we hope for. You know, it's what we're, it's what we're all working towards, what we want to see be part of. Any comments on 1 Corinthians as we get over into 2 Corinthians? Alright, beginning 2 Corinthians here. Um, roughly from time frame, roughly a year or so apart as we have it, you know, he was, as the first letter, he was getting word and, you know, hearing what was going on and some of these same issues were still going on and as he sends the second letter um, of this point the first two scriptures begins as before in the first one it says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother the church of God is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ you know, as he gets to the second section here, the scripture three through seven, you know, he comes and talks about comfort and affliction. Let's read this passage and make some points of it. He tells them, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With the comfort that which we ourselves are comforted by God, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. You know, we look at this and it comes to needing encouragement and strength. You know, one area that we need built up is when we are suffering. You know, we've all went through suffering and hardships. As we look at this passage in the context of it, Paul uses the word comfort ten times in these five verses. You know, we need comfort for all that we go through in life. You know, when times come and we have our brothers to lean on, it sure makes going through things much easier. You know, not only that, our family, you know, spouses, siblings, things like that. You know, as we go through these difficulties and affliction, you know, we think about the description of God here in verse 3. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. It's awful comforting to know the, the one that we serve is the Father of mercies and the God of comfort. You know, he's the Father of all this who comforts us in our affliction. You know, in verse 4, Paul, when he's discussing this affliction... You know, the word translated as infliction in other translations, it has troubles or tribulation 
which in its literal meaning is pressure, compression, or distress. You know, as we think of this life and how fast everything moves, you know, stress is a common thing. You know, distress of things we go through, of our roles, of responsibilities, you know, our jobs, what it takes to provide for our families. On top of, you know, maintaining our faith and doing our responsibility as Christians, you know, we all have these, these multiple things that we, we have ourselves to do. You know, the idea of this is the trials. So as we look and think about afflictions, you know, we think about all the things that we go through. But notice when Paul says that God does, what God does. God comforts us in our afflictions, not necessarily from our afflictions, but when we think of needing comfort of this, we think of removing those. But this is not the picture given. Rather, God brings us comfort in our distress, our difficulties. Escape from, from suffering is not necessarily the goal or what's being stated here. You know, as we look of the suffering and things of forward, you know, how do we receive comfort from God or how are we comforted of those things that come from God in this life? What are some things that we can find comfort in? Find comfort in His Word. What do we find in the Word? Think about promises. The Bible's full of promises. Did you say prayer? Prayer. You know, the thing about prayer, just like the song, you know, a lot of us, we give up a lot in prayer. Because sometimes we may go to prayer on behalf, but how many of us 100% leave it at that prayer? You know, the thing about it, you know, we think about the representation of the yoke being connected. You know, he wants us to put that burden on him, wants us to leave it with it. Sometimes we think, you know, in our physical form that we don't need any help or we can do it ourselves, but it's just not true. Um, we think about his promises, leaving our burdens on him, prayer, leaning on the brotherhood to help us. You know, we think about giving comforting words to others. You know, sometimes out of the blue, you know, stuff may be going on and a, a call or speaking to a brother or running into a brother in public, you know, and just a comforting word or being glad to be in their presence can even be comfort. And that comes from God. You know, we're the, the body. Here we are to... First Peter 5, 7, you know, casting your burdens on him for he careth for us. He cares for us. You know, and he, he knows and understands and sees what we go through. Well, as we look at this, we can certainly consider how the promises of God and the faithfulness of God provides us comfort. As we look at Paul speaking of these things, and he'll also speak later in the letter, you know, Paul has another place that we find comfort from. In 2 Corinthians 1 4, it says, Who comforts us in our affliction so that we may, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God? You know, we comfort others with the comfort we've received from God. You know, as others do good to us, we get that comfort, we get built up, you know, we're to spread it around. You know, when we're afflicted and need comfort, God's comfort does not end there. You know, as it's given to us, we spread it around. You know, we talk about, you know, paying it forward today is a statement that a lot of people pay. You know, there's articles where people, when they go and buy a new vehicle, if they're able to buy it, they may give the vehicle to someone else. You know, it's, it's pretty notarian families, the family's doing that. But not just that, you think about clothes, think about many things, of paying it forward. When we receive a blessing and are able to have those things, of giving blessings to other people. The love of God is never ending. You know, God's comfort, you know, it's circular. It continues on and never ends. You know, as we comfort others through our pressures and suffering, we view ourselves more or less as conduits of God's comfort, passing them on to others. You know, suffering isn't a competition. You know, we think and talk about meeting people and talk about struggles and things that we have. Uh, rather, our suffering is given a purpose by God. You know, as we look again here in verse 4, God comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. One of our purposes of trials is to comfort others. You know, we don't have to go through the same suffering to understand how people are or what they're going through. You know, we've all, we've all been brought up in different ways. We see things through different people's eyes. You know, we all have different concepts of things, but some people have better understanding of things of that. But we can all have empathy and compassion for others. 
you know, as we look to this of not to, you know, go into self-pity or other, you know, things of it, you know, our example in sufferings brings comfort to others of how we handle things. You know, a Christian, they should be able to handle things better than people in the world. We have faith. We have hope. We have a brotherhood. We have each other. So as we look at that and people are looking to us of how we deal with these things, you know, sometimes we think about seeing a sermon, you know, rather than hearing one. We think about that. We're always an example out there. We, we don't always realize how much people are looking to us or how many people see us. You know, as we think about throughout this epistle, you know, Paul, he affirms the good, afflic good afflictions, that have been, how good they have been to him. You know, the people that were against Paul, you know, they were saying many things about him. You know, even talked about maybe he wasn't truly even an apostle. You know, if he were truly an apostle, you know, they was wondering why he was experiencing so much. You know, we think about Job. You know, what did all his friends come to him and say? Must have done something bad. So we think about this in life. You know, it still happens today. You know, sometimes things happen as you think about maybe got yourself in that situation. You know, things like that. So, so we look to that point. Be careful not to be so quick to judge people. But always be quick to help. You know, and God will always get the glory in it. You know, Paul turns the argument from his critics and says that his troubles are comforted by God so that he can comfort these Corinthians in their troubles. You know, as we look at the point in verse 5, what God does for Paul, he also does for these Corinthians, does for us. No matter the degree of affliction, God matches with the comfort that we need. You know, Matthew tells us that God lets it rain on the just and the unjust. You know, in Peter we read, if any man suffer, let him not be ashamed. You know, Paul and Timothy share in these sufferings of Christ, and they're suffering for righteousness' sake. They saw their comfort in knowing that they were sharing the sufferings of Christ. And there was nothing un unusual about experiencing suffering, especially in these days. You know, we have to look of this a face value and come to the same resolve and determination as they was. You know, we have to push forward. We have to push our way through it because we have God on our side. You know, suffering comes as a follower of Christ. You know, we know this. You know, he said if they persecute me, persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So it's nothing that's hid from being a follower of Christ. You know, we'd come to understand the power of God, not through the absence of suffering, but through the pain. You know, we think about things that happen and bring us down and sometimes the growth that can come from it and the support. You know, we grow in Christ and we grow in faith through suffering. And it's not by avoiding suffering, sometimes taking the easy path or other. You know, sometimes we have to go through stuff. You know, sometimes when we're studying with someone even or talking to friends and bringing the truth, you know, it can get into difficult situations of it. But don't be ashamed of suffering as a Christian for doing right. As we look at the next passage, verses 8 through 11, <clears throat> it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For they were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that it was to make us rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You know, Paul explains here to these Corinthians, you know, about what was going on and what happened to him. You know, he's just not telling them about the problems, but he wants them to learn endurance and comfort through this as well. You know, as we think about the difficulty here in this, as the scripture, it says, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We felt that we had received the sentence of death. You know, we think about that. That's a, you know, they thought that that was it. You know, many times that they thought they were physically going to die. You know, it got to a point that he possibly didn't see any way out of this. You know, we think about Paul as being a spiritual hero. 
You know, but we listen to what he says. He despaired of life, and he thought it was over for them. He thought it was the end. He thought they were doomed. So what was his comfort? How did Paul endure and find comfort, even though he was so utterly burdened? As we look at the rest of verse 9, he says, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, we think about a following a God who raises the dead. Think of Christ, you know, raising the dead in his ministry. You know, the purpose of this that Paul saw through these sufferings, it was to cause him to rely on God's power and not on himself. You know, many times we may need this lesson of our life. You know, sometimes when things are, are going good, things are this, you know, it may be easy for us to drift away. And, but sometimes when hard times come through our life and we need to lean on God and pray, it draws us back to him. You know, as we get drawn to him, you know, we strengthen our faith. We grow closer to God. We maintain that relationship. You know, trials get us depending, you know, trials get rid of us depending on ourselves. You know, suffering and trials are produced the recognition that there's no value in depending on ourselves, but the only response is to depend on God. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to, to hook up with him to hook ourselves to him, to put our burden on him. You know, sometimes we have to let go and let God. As we look at the dependence on God and that what Paul has learned, you know, we think about God raising the dead. If he can raise the dead, then what can he do for us? He can deliver us. He can protect us. He can save us. You know, we think about this of the the seriousness of it, you know, and how he delivers it. In verse 10, it says, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You know, Paul set his hope on God to deliver because he delivered this time and they were in utter despair. God is a God of deliverance. You know, we think about the people of Israel. Time and time again, what did he do for them? He came back. He gave them another chance. He delivered them. He sent someone else. You know, it was continually always sending someone on their behalf. He is a God of deliverance. He delivered Christ by raising him from the dead. As we see here, God delivered Paul as well. As he said here to encourage these Christians, sometimes God comforts us by ultimately delivering us out of affliction. Other times, God strengthens us so that we can endure the affliction. You know, the very point Paul made to the Christians, let us look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now here another promise we have. Comfort of God coming from a promise. A promise that he will not put more on us than we can handle. If it is more than we can handle, what will he provide us? Place of escape. But we have to take it, right? Think about it, we have to take it. You know, at the end of this, this book, you know, when he speaks about the thorn in the flesh, he brings it up again and the effect it had on its life. But what did God tell him about that? We think about Paul going to the Father and asking to remove this. If he told him, no, that my grace is sufficient, you know, then what does that say for us when we ask of things? All we can do is pray and leave it with him. If it be his will, it will. If it won't, it won't. We have to put our faith and trust in him. You know, when he talks to him about the effect of it had on his life, you know, at the end of the trial, he will deliver us from our affliction. Sometimes God won't end the trial, but gives you the strength and comfort you need to face it. That doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean he's not answering the prayers. God uses these things so we will fully depend on him and not on ourselves or anyone. As we consider and look at this about what Paul's instructed us, God's comfort is not intended to make us comfortable, but it's to make us comforters. 
what we can do and give of what he gives us. You know, we think about God many times he's comforted us, and I know he's comforted y'all. And if he's ever comforted you in any measure, you know, we have a responsibility to pass that comfort on. You know, as we're giving blessings to give that. You know, as we suffer, you know, as we begin not to depend on ourselves, we can depend more on God. You know, we think about today, how can we be God's comfort for someone else today? What are some things we can do to show God's love and emulate that comfort he gives us? Praying again as well. We think about as we receive these, pressing them forward. You know, and, and that's what Paul asked them here. He asked them to pray, pray for them. You know, one of the strongest things we can do for people. You know, at the beginning of class, you know, we ask these things because there's power in prayer. You know, in our suffering, when we consider to not think about ourselves and we think about helping others and enduring pressures and pains and we grow and we build ourselves stronger, as we look here in verse 11, you know, one thing we do every day is through that prayer, praying for each other. Talk to God about how he can comfort us. The scripture tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort, who he comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With the comfort which we are ourselves are comforted by God. So as we think of, of doing these things as we pass them on to others, it's our responsibility as we are given comfort. All right, verses 12 on, Scripture tells us, it says, For boasting, for our boast is this, a testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what we read and understand, and hope you will, will fully understand. You know, as we think about this and as we grow in knowledge and grow of these things, you know, and the, as they look at this testimony of their conscience, you know, as we, they proclaim never of anything of themselves. You know, as always God breathed, they always gave the God, they always gave God the glory. You know, as we do things today, as we grow in knowledge, we as well have that. Verse 14, it says, Just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord, Jesus will boast of us as he will boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send my way of Judea. So as we look and think about this, of the time that he spent with them, grew closer, of the second letter and his hope of coming to see them, you know, we realize the closeness that he has with them. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Anyone have any questions or comments up to this point? All right, we'll go ahead and close in prayer if nothing else. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We're so thankful for all that you do for us. Lord, we know that all good and perfect things come from above. Lord, we know the, the great comfort that comes from you. And Lord, we pray as we receive that comfort that we will, we will give that comfort to others as well in our walks of life. Lord, we pray daily as we walk and do things. Lord, we pray that others will see Christ in us. And well, Lord, we pray that you will be glorified. Lord, we ask thee as we open our hearts to this word and, and study and think of it, Lord, that we will use it every day and will continue to grow and tell others as we go about our path. Lord, we ask thee again to be with the ones mentioned in prayers and the families that we lift up to you. Lord, we pray for, for health and comfort, peace. And we pray for the family that are burdening them. Pray, Lord, that they will take their cares and burdens and leave them with you as you would desire. Lord, we ask these things in your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.